This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn anywhere, turn. We'll find a couple of passages. Find Galatians chapter 3 and Genesis 12. Galatians 3 and Genesis 12. As we mentioned before, we are now going through a series of teachings where we're going to concentrate on God's purpose in the family. And for this section of series uh, that I'm doing under the whole section of God's purpose in the family, we're going to talk about the purpose and call of the family. Now, the things that we ran across last Sunday was that God is a God of purpose. And God is a generational God. And as we embarked on that, we looked at two key terms. We looked at purpose and we looked at the world. And we said purpose is the intent of the design of the model and are the position. See, God's a God of a purpose. See, the designer had something in mind. That's why they designed it that way. It's modeled that way for a reason. There's a position it is placed in for purpose, for an intent. And we said that God designed male and female to the intent that the family would pass down the knowledge of God from generation to generation. Again, we could spend some time there. We could spend a long time there because we get a lot of things from our families. But the one thing that God intended to come from our families is the knowledge of God. We walk out of our families, when our families try to give us the knowledge of God, and we don't take that, we, give them, we take everything else they give us. But that wasn't the intent. That's why we mess up our lives when we do that. But God designed male and female to the intent that the family would pass down the knowledge of God from generation to generation. So the family is the intended means by which God remains known in the earth. Now, God's going to be known. But he intended the family to be the means by which he would be made known to every individual. You hear me? So that was purpose. Then we looked at the world. And, and in particular, 1 John 2 and 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And, and now, we had to stop there because I wanted to make sure that we're all on the same page here. Now, in the New Testament, the word, the term world is used, but you have to understand it in context. All right, now, in 1 John 2 and 15, I told you there are three different contexts within which the term world is used. First, it refers to the earth. The fullness of the earth and the inhabitants of the earth. Okay? And that's not what 1 John 2 and 15 is referring to. But there's another context in which the term world is used. And that context is the arrangement, the fashion, the popular practices, and the flow. There's a flow of this present age. There's an arrangement, there's a fashion. There are popular practices, and then there's a flow of this present age. And First John tells us, don't love it. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Because remember, the world is a friend to the flesh. It's a partner to the flesh. The flesh just loves that which excites, doesn't care if it's the will of God. In fact, in all honesty, it loves it more when it's not the will of God. And, the, and so the flesh just wants to be excited without any respect for God and his desire. And the world says, I will provide you the things to get excited, flesh. And so this is why we say that the, in the world are those things that entice your senses. Gets you worked up. Gets you excited. And so the world says, I have it for you. 
And so there's an arrangement, there's a fashion, there's popular practices and flow of this present age to be a friend to your flesh. So we said that what he's really saying is do not fall in love and do not become intoxicated with the things that entice you by the senses. Don't fall in love with it. Do not become intoxicated with those things. Now, I don't know if we got to this or not. I don't remember. But one of the things that, because we, we spent some time talking about the world and how not all things that are in the world are sin, but they're not of God. And how the enemy works through the world to subtly pull us away from God. Because we start just following the things of the world and, and suddenly we're just doing whatever the world does and we're so far away from God. But not everything is sin. It just starts us on that path. And so what happens is that the people that are caught up in this world are caught up in this world blindly. The people who are caught up in the flow are blinded by the flow. And so that brought us to the third context in which the term world is used. That term world is used to refer to those who follow the individuals who follow the flow of the world blindly. And that's very important to note. Because he says, don't love the world. Now, he's not talking about the people. He's talking about the flow. Because we found in another scripture, he's trying to reconcile the world to himself. He's not trying to get the flow to himself. He's trying to get these individuals who are caught up blindly. So those who are caught up in the flow get caught up blindly. And we said this to you. Don't get caught up. Don't be blinded. Now, this is all going to, to work in the call of God on the family. And God's purpose in the family. So that brings us to where we presently are. Because I told you this. We're going to look at and use Abraham to see purpose. So, so, are you in Galatians chapter 3? Because remember, God hates the sin. But he loves the sinner. Galatians chapter 3. <laughs> Verse 29. And if ye be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you be Christ, now I'm in a church, <laughs> so I'm assuming that I'm talking to the majority, if not all, who claim Christ. Now, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. That seed is a familial term. It means now are you part of the family. So if you be Christ, then you're part of the family. You're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we need to take a look at Abraham. Because there's something in Abraham that we have a share in. Amen? Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. This is one of our key scriptures. Let's read through the first three verses. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, the first thing that, that stands out to me is verse number one. God says, Abram, get away. And he says, get away from your country, from your kindred, 
and from your father's house. And the question should be, why are you pulling Abram away from his daddy's house? Remember, God is a God of purpose. There's a reason for the position. There's a reason that he's going to call him out. And so in verses 1 through 3, I'm telling you, he states plainly the purpose. So let's take a little while. Let's take a little time. Let's not be too fast in this and find out what this purpose is. What is this purpose here? Verse number one again. Now, the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. Man, you know, let me just say that I got to say it. It's in my spirit. I got to say it. Now, the Lord had said unto Abram. In other words, God had been dealing with Abram. Understand this. You may not have gotten it the first time, but God's not through with you yet. It's going to come back again and say, you, you know you want to leave. <laughs> and then when it comes, you say, man, that's like the second, third time. That's God dealing with you. But God had been dealing with Abram. He said, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. Let me say this again. The reason why he had to deal with Abraham over a period of time, because this is his country. This is his kindred. This is his father's house. He's got ties. He's got deep ties, deep roots. But God wants to do something different. So, so why, God? Why are you calling Abram out? He says, I'm calling you into land that I will show thee. So, so part of the purpose is that God wants to show him something. Now, verse 2, he says, and I will make of thee a great nation. Wow. Now, that's not the purpose, people. I want you to make sure you understand that. You've you got to speak plainly to today's Christian community. The purpose is not to make him a great nation. The great nation is a means to the end that God wants. It really is. It's a means to the end. And so he said, now, I, I need to get you out from your country, your kindred, your father's house. I'm going to show you something. And when I show you something, I'll be able to make you a great nation. And I will bless thee. Listen to this. That's not the purpose. <laughs> That's a means to the end. That's not the purpose. It's because we're searching for the blessing that God would bless us, but that's not the purpose. So he's dealing with Abraham and says, now, now if you would just follow me, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you, but that's not the purpose. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great. That's not the purpose, people. That comes with you obeying. So if you obey, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless thee. I'll make your name great. And you shalt be a blessing. Now that's the general purpose. Glory to your name, God. The general purpose is, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great because you're going to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. And this is not, you know how we say, no, that's a blessing. Someone gives you a kind word, that's a blessing. No, this is God's idea of blessing. Say, so when I get through with you, you're going to be a blessing. And on the way, you'll become a great nation. On the way, I will bless you. And on the way, your name will be great. But it's going to be because of my intent. Now, that's the general purpose. The general purpose is that he would be a blessing. Now, he's going to get more into specifics here in verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. Now let me stop there. 
Oh, this is good. This is excellent. You know, I'm going fast. I really am. I would like to spend more time here, but I got to go someplace. This is excellent because today's Christian community. Here's I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse them that curse thee. And so, because I'm the man of God given to me, like Abraham's the man of God, I'm the man of God. And if you would do that, then God will bless. Those are going to be God will curse. Let me tell you what God is saying here. God is saying, Abraham, if you just follow me. If you just do as I give you commandment to do, I'll be your friend. Glory to your name. I'll be your friend. How do you become a friend of God? Jesus told us. He says, now, I don't call you servants. Because servants aren't let in on what the master does. But I've called you friends. Now, 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 but you got to back up. Because before he said that, he said, now, if you keep my commandments, then you're my friend. We're trying to get blessed by God, but not be his friend. See, God's been dealing with us, and we've been fighting against God. We're saying, God, why haven't you blessed us? It's now, if you would just obey, then you'd be my friend. Now, when you're God's friend, he makes rivers in the desert. <laughs> he makes ways out of no way. He calls things that be not as though they were, because you're his friend. See, I will bless those that curse, that bless thee. And, I, and now when he's your friend, when they come against you, God says they mess with the wrong individual. See, there are benefits to being a friend of God. It doesn't take you giving money to somebody for you to be a friend of God. If you obey, you're his friend. This is yours already. This is the favor of God on your life because you're his friend. Again, this is a benefit. Abraham, if you would just follow me, if you would get away from your country, your kindred, your father's house, you'd become a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. I'll be your friend. And there's nothing like being a friend of God. And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee. And here it is. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's the intent. I want to get you out of your country, your kindred, away from your father's house, because I want all the families of this earth to be blessed. Again, let me tell you, when God blesses, here's what happens. When God blesses, prison doors are open. Captives are set free. The wounded are made whole. When God blesses, the sick, them who are in affliction, are healed. You see, the world benefits when God can bless through somebody like Abraham. Hallelujah. To your name. See, the world benefits. They don't even understand it. They are denying God, but have the goodness of God because there's an Abraham out there. Because there's a friend of God out there. So that's the purpose. I believe it's plainly stated. He wants all the families 
of the earth to be blessed. Now pay attention to that term in verse 2, great nation. I just want you to take a moment to think about that. Now, we are on this side looking at it, but even on Abraham's side or Abram's side at that time, I believe he understood this. When he says, nation of you, I will make a great nation. He can't make a great nation if Abram doesn't have a family. So I believe Abram understood, you're talking about family, God. Now, we on this side, we plainly understand he was talking about family because Abram would have those sons. <laughs> and from his son, then comes the 12 tribes. And here comes this nation. We understand what God's talking about from this side, but I do believe Abram understood on his side that God's talking about family. And not only that, we understand that out of Abram's family, God would call a family his own. The nation would be his own. It would be his own special people. So in essence, what God is getting to, this great nation, is going to be his people. It's going to be his family. Wow, you, you didn't get that, did you? God says, I'm going to take your family and I'm going to draw my family out of it. And because you allow me to be the God of your family, all this earth is going to be blessed. But notice the means to get to the end that all families of the earth are blessed. God had to pull Abraham out of his family in order to get Abram's family blessed. Hallelujah. Let's take a step back here. You know, we, we go through these things and we think we understand it. But he said, I want to bless all families. All families would include Abram's present family. But God said, now, in order for you to be a blessing to all families, I've got to draw you out of this family. Put all this together. We've been talking about the same subject. God wants his family to impact the world and not for the world to impact his family. Let me say that again. God wants his family to impact the world. And not for the world to impact his family. You don't have to turn there, but 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, I do have it up there. Wherefore, come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Ooh, did you hear that? That sounds a lot like Abraham. He says, now if you would come out, I'll be your friend. I'll receive you, but you got to come out. See, because what I want to do is going to benefit those that you come out from, but I can't benefit them while you're in it. See, they're in the flow. I need to get you out of the flow. Because while you're in the flow, I can't work through you. So God wants his family to impact the world and not for the world to impact his family. But this can't happen if his people are not sober. Oh, you, you missed it, didn't you? Love not this world. Don't fall in love. Do not become intoxicated. He says, I need... See, hallelujah, glory to your name. Abraham and his family were intoxicated. They were caught up with the flow. But God says, I want to bless the families of this earth, but I can't do it while they're caught up in the flow. While they're intoxicated, I need somebody to sober up. Amen. That's why you come to church. We're trying to sober you up. 
you don't recognize it because you've been drinking a long time. And days just don't seem right if you don't get a drink. But we're trying to get you off of the bottle. This cannot happen. God cannot bless families through you if you yourself are intoxicated with the world. He has to draw you out so he can sober you up. See, that's the journey that Abraham is on. He's on a journey, people. He's so familiar and accustomed to the flow of the age he occupies, it's going to take him time under God's care to sober him up. Again, I, I take my time and I repeat myself on purpose because you need to hear and internalize these things. Abram is so familiar and accustomed to the flow of the age he occupies, his time. It's going to take him time under God's care to sober him up. Understand this. Aren't you so glad that God isn't waiting for you to get it right? He lets you know you're wrong so he can take you on a process to get to the point of right. That's what he did with Abraham. Remember Abraham. When he understood that God was going to give him children. And he saw his old wife, Sarah. <laughs> and he saw his old body. And Sarah said, you know what? Here's what God probably wants you to do. I got a handmaid. I'll give you my handmaid. And I will have children by her. Where did she get that from? Put all this stuff together. Where did she get that from? From the world. There was a flow there. There was a present practice of that age. So, see, he's still sobering up at this point in time. But again, God has pulled him away from his family so that he's not so tugged by this, but he's still so intoxicated. He hadn't sobered up yet. So he's still looking to the practices of this world to get what he wants. So he's on a journey. Oh, we're going to see. We're going we're gonna we're gonna to meet him near the end of his journey. And we're going to see the difference. <laughs> Amen. Glory to you. See, you may not be at the end, but let God pull you out. You're on a journey. The process is not over. But let the process take its course. Don't run back to where he brought you out from. He brought you out from for a reason, because he's a God of purpose. And you're worried about those that you came away from, but God loves them more. And you don't know what your actions are going to bring outside of what God tells you. I believe this is what Abram dealt with. When God had dealt with him about coming out, he says, yeah, but my, my, my daddy needs me. He, he won't know how to put things together without me. See, see I, I'm his main one. But God says, no, 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 you're his crutch right now. And I need to put you in a different position. Remember, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. So God intends that all families of the earth be blessed through you. But that can't happen. If you're not sober. Amen. Be sober. Do not be intoxicated by the things that entice you by your senses. 
be sober. In other words, don't be motivated by the things that are in this world. Don't let that drive you. Don't let more money drive you. Don't let prestige drive you. Don't let the pursuit of power drive you. See, again, did you get all that he's speaking to Abraham? See, all these things you will freely get if you be my friend. But while you're intoxicated with the things of this world and those things that entice you by your senses, you go after them on your own and you will fall short. You can gain all the money but lose your soul. You can get prestige but lose your family. Don't let the accumulation of goods drive you. Try to have what somebody else doesn't have. It's not even about money at that time. It's just about bragging rights. And, and I do say, don't let wealth drive you. Wealth is different than more money. <laughs> Amen. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you say, what difference does it make? Well, don't, don't be motivated by it either way. Don't be motivated by popularity. Listen to this. Do not be motivated by acceptance. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Let me, let me tell you this. Some in the Christian community use acceptance, saying that hey, I've got to minister to these people, so I've got to be accepted by the people. That's a cloak for their lust. Amen. See, we talked about tattoos, right? Where do we get that from? Did God give that to us? So why would we just blindly follow after that? And then, well, we've got to minister to these people who have tattoos, so let's get tattoos as well. What? Where did that come from? Oh, this tattoo is because I'm a soldier of God. No, because your flesh is out of control and the world is friend to your flesh. We can work so hard at being accepted that we stop being sober. <laughs> Hallelujah. We can work so hard at being accepted we stop being sober. You know what I mean by that? You know, there are people we want to minister to. And you want to make a difference in their life? You make a difference by standing in the ways of God. You don't make a difference by behaving like they behave. You don't make a difference by acting like they act. They need to be saved, but you want to behave like him who needs to be saved? See, that's not being sober. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, it's a cloak. I'm going to the clubs to save people. No, you're not. See, see, that's not sober. See, God is trying to pull you out. And you're looking for God to do great things. And God's like, I'm not your friend. God wants his family to impact the world and not for the world to impact his family. I'm telling you again, I want to make sure you understand this. When God blesses the families of this earth, they are blessed. Life is better. Life is sweeter. Life is not so hard. Life is not so unimaginable at that point in time. The world wants it. They don't understand it. And God and the world needs you sobered up. This is all about sanctification. Amen. This is that process he has you on. Don't fight against God. 
as He tries to purify you. As He tries to clean you. Amen. As He tries to sober you up. As He tries to get this world out of you. This is the process of sanctification that He's putting you under. And it's for this purpose. Again, you're on a journey. Abram was on his own. He made it. You are now on your own. Your own journey. And because the issue is sanctification, it is for you to question, to judge what you are bringing into your home. It's for you to question it. It's for you to judge it. Where did you get that from? Is it of the world? Even though it's not sin. Or did you get it from God? Amen. I'm I'm talking to us. God knows who he's talking to. And in our mind, we're always right. We're always obedient. We're the faithful. He's talking about somebody else. He ain't talking about me. Because I'm sober. Because I'm a friend of God. Because I keep his commandments. Because I'm not intoxicated. Okay? You know, there are certain things in this world that the world just does. Especially in this present age. You know, we've ministered on these things. And let's see if you're a friend of God. We tell you, you know, your teenagers don't need a phone of their own. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. That's not sin, but is is it of God? And then when they're introduced to things, and you say, where did that come from? But God had dealt, God had said to Abram. And we said that on more than one occasion. But yet you still did it anyway. Just say speak, Lord. (laughs) I can't say amen, but I'll say speak, Lord. There's a popular practice in this present age. Wow. Here we go. I'm I'm just being real. I'm just being real. You know, education is important. And so we, when our children graduate high school, there's a present practice of sending our children away. To college. When I say away, I mean away. Y'all aren't hearing me. Y'all aren't cooperating with me at all. Let the record show (laughs) on this morning. (laughs) They didn't want to cooperate, God. But there's a flow. And we get caught up in that flow and we send our children off. And they come back with things that we did not deliver to them. And God wanted them blessed. But he can't get them blessed if you're not sober. That's just the way it is, people. God is true. God doesn't miss. 
God had dealt with us about this. And I'm not saying everybody has missed it, but some have. And now, now here's the thing about this is why I always like to get to this point, because these things God has ministered to me and is still ministering to me. See, they're, they're, it takes two to tango, baby. <laughs> I can't tango on my own. See, I'm a father, and I have children, and I can pipe, but they don't necessarily have to dance. See, I can, I can do everything I can, but if they rebel, in the end, my hands are clean. And they'll come back, and they'll see that I was trying to sober them up and keep them sober. But they got so intoxicated that they have become, stopped being a friend of God. You know, they're back in the children's ministry. I love God. They get a little bit older. They get a taste of this world, and they love it. And they become intoxicated with it against the better judgment and the commandment of their parents. And they won't get blessed. But they didn't understand their blessing was in their parents being sober and passing on that sobriety to them. And here's the thing about God. God will receive you to himself, tattered and torn. But you didn't have to get tattered. You didn't have to get torn. You didn't have to get bruised and abused. God had said to Abram. God had dealt with Abram. Took him a little while to get it. I'm telling you, learn from Abram's mistakes. Some of us are living testimonies. We had parents that tried to keep us sober, but we did our own thing. And we paid the price. You know, that, that's why God is faithful is a different tune to some people <laughs> than others. But in the end, he's faithful. So it's for you to question and judge what you are bringing into your home. So as you establish your own family, you cannot blindly adopt practices. And institute them into your family. Now, now listen, listen. Sending your children off to college is not a sin. But is it of God? All I want you to do is don't be passive minded. Don't just be. What's the term they use for people who just blindly accept everything? There's a term for it. Was that? Pliable? No, no. Was that? Naive. Thank you. Don't be naive. Don't be naive. Challenge everything that's coming your way. The enemy depends on your naivety. He depends on you being naive. He loves... <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, our present president said this at one time. I love the stupid people. The enemy's like, I love the naive Christian. They vote for me every time. <laughs> they put me in office. <laughs> I have no business in the office, but they put me in because they're naivete. They don't challenge anything that I put into practice in this world. And they just take it as their own and say, it's good for the world, it's good for me. Everybody else is doing it. See, that's sanctification. Sanctification, sometimes you will be alone. You will not occupy the popular position. Oh, I'm, I'm going someplace with this. Oh, because there's some practices in this world. Because I'm telling you, when you say, I'm not going to do this practice that others in this age have been doing, you will meet resistance. And I'm not saying just from the world. I'm saying from the church. 
Oh, here, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. Try one Christmas not buying anybody a Christmas present. I'm not saying God is saying that, but try it. And see what kind of looks you get from people in the church. <laughs> they don't care if you're broke. You've broken some rule by not buying Christmas presents at Christmas. At least going to debt. Because this thing we must keep. And somebody will say, now you're messing with Christmas, brother. <laughs> and you're trying to take Christ out of Christmas. Naive. That is naive. Because <laughs> here we are. We will fight for what God didn't even deliver to us. So, so let's say this. Because, you know, when we say taking Christ out of Christmas, we're, we're acting like as though this is some holy festivity. And, and it's because the world has convinced you that we're celebrating the birth of Christ at Christmas. So, so let's say, let's, let's, for, the, for the sake of argument. Let's say, yes, Christmas is set aside solely for celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Why do we buy each other gifts? But break that tradition. Don't bring it to your household. See what happens. That's just for an example. I'm not telling you God is saying do this, right? And people are like, wait a minute, brother. You going places you should not go. I need to pray for you. That's not what I'm, I'm just saying. When you challenge, we've come to this point now. We don't celebrate Halloween. But when you first stopped, hallelujah, glory to your name, your own country, your own kindred, <laughs> your own father's house has something to say to you. I'm sorry, you know, all the time, you know, you're walking in the ways of God, you're learning His ways, you're being more upright, you're walking in righteousness, they didn't have nothing to say. But you break the tradition that the world had introduced into your household, and they got plenty to say now. So as you establish your own family, you cannot blindly adopt practices and institute them into your family. Even if you learn the practice in the household you came out of. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to your name. See, again, is this not how God was dealing with Abram? He had to get him away from that so he could institute God's desire, God's standard into his home. But he had to pull him out from what he had received from that house. Had to. I'm telling you, God is a good God. But because we've been in this world a long time, when He pulls us out, it don't feel right. And you will get resistance from your own household. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm not talking about just from your father's house. I'm talking about those who live in your own home. Under your own roof. If you pay the bills for you'll meet resistance from them. But you, this is why you've got to know <laughs> what you know. You've got to know who you serve. You've got to know his ways. Because there will be emotional ties 
There will be manipulation that is employed to get you to change. I can just hear Abram go into Sarai and said, my wife, our names have changed. And she's got to be like, what? My mama named me Sarai. <laughs> my daddy named me Sarai. I'm going to be Sarai to the day I die. It's like, no, no, no. God has spoken. So we're breaking that tradition. <laughs> We're bringing it in God's tradition. We got new names. Here, here's what God is doing. God is saying, Abram, I'm going to bring you out of the old. That I can place you in the new. Oh, have you not heard? Have you not heard? God is declaring the former things have passed away. God is declaring a new thing. You're missing it all together. We've been on this, I don't know how long. Out of Isaiah. God is doing away with the old and he's establishing the new and shall you not know it? The things that we are used to and accustomed to, he said, Abram, don't be accustomed to them any longer. I'm doing a new thing with you. It's going to spring forth. And when it springs forth, you'll be a great nation. I'll bless you. Your name will be great. I will bless those who bless you. Curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of this earth be blessed. You will be a blessing. And it won't be because you're smart outside of you obey. And when you obey, you will find out God wants you away from some things. Some things that you have internalized. Some things you have made your own. And God will continue to deal with you about it. It's God. It's God who's speaking to you. Come out from your country. Come out from your kindred. Come out from your father's house to a land, a new thing. I'm showing you. Turn to Genesis chapter 18. That's purpose, people. Genesis 18. He says, I want to bless the world. But while you're in it, I can't bless the world through you. I got to get you out of it. I got to sober you up. And as I sober you up, there will be resistance. You, you know, when there's resistance, here's what you need to do. Endure. Amen. We've been talking about these things. When there's resistance, here's what you need to do. You need to persevere. When there's resistance, here's what you need to do. You need to abide. When there's resistance, here's what you need to do. Stand, therefore. Having done all to stand, stand. And they don't understand it. The people who are resisting you are the very people God wants blessed. And they can't see it, but you can. Stay the course. Stay the course. Genesis 18. We'll read this. We won't get into it. We'll get into it next time. Genesis 18, verse 17 through 22. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? See, Abraham is further along on his journey. And God pays his friend a visit. And he says, he's just talking, not in front of Abraham. But he's talking, oh my goodness, this is just a blessing. Here it is, Abraham's just doing what Abraham does, and God is having a conversation about his friend Abraham. And saying, you know, in my thoughts, I consider Abraham. Because I'm about to do something. Am I going to keep what I'm doing away from Abraham, my friend? 
And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? I'm sorry, but this is, I can't even go any further than this. See, because I want you to understand, if you keep his commandments, then are you his friend? And in the hallways of the heavens, God is about to do a new thing. He's considering, shall I hide from my friend? The thing that I'm about to do. Glory to you. Now, I believe this about my children. If I be a friend of God, if my children are about to do something they shouldn't do, that I can intervene in, God is saying, now, shall I hide from my friend? What I need to tell them so that their children doesn't go in this way. See, there are benefits to being a friend. And the Lord says, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him. I know him. He will command his children and his household after him. We're going to have to deal with that. Not only his children, but his household. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Not only his children, but his household. You may not have children, but you might have a household. Glory to your name. See, because all the single people without children say, well, no, you might have a household. (laughs) I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. See, that's purpose. To do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. And the man turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. See, that's a friend. Now, now here's the thing about it. God asked, shall I hide from Abraham? Here's the question. What's so special about Abraham, though? And I'm out of time. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.